CatsCorner.com podcast. CatsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 22nd. Probably the weirdest um, last week or so of July that I've, I've had since I've owned the site. It, normally by this point, you know, we're doing just mad features, um, talking about, you know, camp and talking about, what, you know, what's coming and da-da-da-da. Um, this year, obviously... <laughs> Feels very different in a ver- for a variety of reasons. Um, nonetheless, we press on. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the the situation as it presents itself currently. Um, the ACC much rumored to be um, league only, but at this point, it seems like there could be a chance that like Virginia could open the season against like West Virginia or something. Um, so there is some 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 more stuff, I guess, to be decided before we get to the end of the month, which is what. The league has said when they will announce something and, and certainly what Bronco Mendenhall would like. Uh, we're also going to talk a little about just sort of how the pandemic is, is impacting recruiting. Um, Virginia seemed to be a little bit of a, of a benefactor of, of sorts with the pandemic uh, impacting football in general with, with Tony Poljan, the, um, transfer, the grad transfer tight end from um, Central Michigan. I choosing the Cavaliers the other day, I had a chance to talk to him and he's a really good kid who I, I think – sees a lot of opportunity in front of him in Charlottesville. So we'll talk a little bit about his situation and, and, and Virginia getting that done. And then also to the bigger picture with recruiting, the VHSL is going to decide um, in the next week or so um, what model they're going to choose in terms of um, sports for this, uh, this fall, this winter, um, perhaps even the whole school year. I'm not really sure. Um, and, and we're going to, we're going to tackle a little bit more, maybe what we think Virginia's players should do about um, that especially now that there's a lot of them inside the state of Virginia. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. For tonight, everybody is one David Spence in Fishersville. How's it going, my friend? It's good. None of my friends are getting married on Wednesday night, so <laughs> I'm here. Wednesday night. Who days on the board at? Who days on Twitter? And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates when they happen, the content items when they happen, and uh, the occasional windy banter. I, I tweeted today about. Um, Huey Lewis. I don't know why I was sitting here working and I was like, you know what? I'm going to put some Huey Lewis on. And I was like, you know, Huey Lewis is pretty good. Um, and then I decided to tweet that out to everybody on Twitter. So my apologies if you are not a big um, I have Huey found Lewis myself guy. like going down some musical right? you know, wormholes right? in the last few months too. Like the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks may be yes. the best soundtracks ever put together. Very um, much agreed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I, I found that like a lot of times when I work, I actually enjoy songs that feel like a period of time right yeah as opposed to like something with a bunch of words or something so, so, so like there's a feeling or whatever so I, I have been doing a lot of uh, soundtrack stuff um i also um had a lot of re- responses from american psycho which i didn't get the reference for a while i was like why did why? like t- phony bennett responded back and i'm like i have no idea what he's talking about uh and then a couple more people and i was like oh that's right there's that whole thing there's a whole bit of, in there about huey lewis um but anyway i digress uh, yes, for, uh, the aforementioned um, wedding jokes. So Ferber had a thing to go to tonight. Um, you know, pandemic impacts us all somehow, and apparently weddings on Wednesdays is a thing. Uh, so we will have him back hopefully next week um, when we will have a, a little bit more in-depth discussion about what Virginia's players specifically, um, or I guess incoming recruits specifically, should do. But I do. I, I want to start with sort of kind of the situation, right? So it sounds like in in talking to various folks around the program that things are going pretty well. Um, that, um, you know, the, the, the testing and stuff, the protocols guys are embracing them pretty well. Um, I think UVA is an apparatus feels really good about kind of where things are. Uh, Dave, you are the, um, our special COVID correspondent. Um, 
are you I don't want to ask you if you're feeling better about yeah. football because that seems like a, a setup to just have everybody <laughs> just shut the podcast off. Um, are you surprised at all? Let's let's ask it like this: that things have gone as well as they have gone for UVA, and it seems like other teams. I've seen a lot of testing numbers come out, and the numbers of guys testing positive at this point seems to be relatively low. Um, whether that's in, not just the NBA bubble, which I mean that's a just a completely yeah. different animal. Um, for, side note: completely loved being able to watch actual basketball games today. Um, didn't didn't know half the dudes that were playing, but man, did did it was I just enjoying uh, basketball being played? But it just it yeah. does seem like a lot of teams are having good respo- results. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the the numbers we're getting early. Are, I mean, I guess they they are surprising. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think what what my mindset was. I mean, I expected to see a little bit higher results. I know we saw some of those you know, quick number increases at what Kansas state, LSU, Clemson. Um, we haven't seen that since then, but most of the numbers coming out now are schools that either reported later or have been in camp for a while and kind of isolated. Um, so, I mean, that's good news. I mean, I, not, you know, the optimistic view is like, it, it seems like the, the kids, you know, the, these guys that play major college football, the ones we're getting numbers on, you know, are, are guys who, amateur or not like this is career for them this is a it's a lot of responsibility like you know i know we've talked about in the past but you know the the lifestyle of a division one football player is not something that most of us could have handled as an 18 to 22 year old um so you know the regiments they have in place seem to be working Uh, i think the the real you know the pessimist in me says well they're not really doing anything yet you know they're just kind of working out in small groups so what does it look like when when they start hitting each other with the mask off and you know and you know let's not forget like we they are 18 to 22 it's there's going to be some episodes of guys sneaking off um not saying uva specifically but it's going to happen somewhere and then when the students come back to campus at the campuses they do come back to i think that's when it's going to get a little interesting but so far it's encouraging and i think given all the discouraging stuff we've seen since march um you take any glimmer of hope you can uh certainly the players are taking it serious the coaching staffs are taking it seriously and yeah i'm i'm happy with where things are right now and i'll can you know i think just like everyone else i'll continue to wait for the other shoe to drop and hope it doesn't yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, yeah, that's, um, I don't know, man. Like, the more I think about this whole thing, you know, I, I, I see the conferences making the decisions, you know, not to play. And I see fans who are distraught at that, you know, reality. And I see the kids themselves doing what it feels like, I mean, they feel like they're doing everything they can, you know. I think Bronco and his folks did a really good job of preparing guys well before they got to Charlottesville. Hey, this is going to be the deal. Uh, in talking to different folks, it sounded like you know their families were made aware. Everybody was kind of made make sh- made sure to be on the same page. Um, so it's it's weird. It's like the kids clearly want to play, and Bronco talked about that last week, right? Like they want to be together, um, and they understand that there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for them to. You know, there's been this conversation both on our board and Twitter and various other places, and I'm sure you know person to person, and certainly among us. Um, the idea that like Virginia can go out there and, you know, basically create their own bubble guys can, can stay in, um, you know, they can wear their mask religiously. They can take all the precautions when it comes to where, whatever, um, the situation might be. And yet 
if their opponents don't do the same thing, what are they supposed to do, right? They're not going to play 12 inter-squad scrimmages, right? Yeah. And so, in essence, there is this sort of, uh, and, and Bronco talked about, like, you know, some sort of accountability. Like, hey, if, if Team X doesn't live up to the to their end of the bargain, hey, you know what? Team X should be disqualified or should, something should happen to Team X. And we talked last week about how the NCAA was really sort of moot on this, right? Like, they, they, had, they had been silent. And then, lo and behold, <laughs> like, what was it, that night or the next day or whatever? Like, the, 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 everything comes out about, like, here are, the, here are the standards or whatever. And I think that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of – I'm coming up with the mindset that because football is such a huge portion of every athletic department's budget um, – or I guess let me rephrase that the power of the power five budgets. Right. And, and certainly some small schools too, but just let me focus on the power five that it's not necessarily, I'm not saying that they're willing to risk, but I do think that they're willing to wait and see or wait, or they're willing to do whatever they can to make it work uh, if it can work. And so I, I genuinely think that, um, that we're going to see some sort of rubber meet some road in the relatively, um, you know, in the relatively, um, in the relative like soon future. So, right. But like in essence, what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that like, it definitely feels to me like conferences and schools, even if they have to go outside their conference are going to do what they can to make it happen. And I feel like that's probably a good place to start because clearly they're not going to put anybody like they're not going to go out there and be like, oh, well, you know what? Everybody who who touches somebody else is getting it. So we're going to just, you know, we're going to play anyway. You know, like um, I do think that it's it, you, you shouldn't be told you shouldn't as a human being, you shouldn't be told like, hey, if you want football, do X in order to do X. But if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. You know what I mean? I'm kind of in that ballpark. Like it may be now because we're talking about like these things are, are you know, whether it's schools, whether it's um, sports, whatever it takes to get people to do the to do the thing, um, the better. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. And I think when you. You know, when you look at it through the through the eyes of the athlete, um, I mean, they've got a very small window to kind of make their mark in college football, and, and you know, look, you know, most of the players will never play professionally, but I think not what what do you say? Three quarters of the team are hoping they do. You know, a quarter realize they're not going to while they're still in college, but it probably a good percentage, more than fifty percent of the guys on the roster still have hope of the pros um, late in their careers, right? Realistic or not. Um, so I think when when you if you look at it through their eyes and with their window being so small, they're not willing to give up a year. So they're going to do what they can um, to make it work for them. Like I've said before, like I don't think it's going to be an issue right now. I think the issues you run into are when you're if you are able to play for three or four games in and your team's not as good as you hoped or you're not having a good season, what happens then? Because the NCAA still hasn't addressed. Are we still going to have the you know, is it still going to have the play four and keep your red shirt rule? Because if you're playing a seven or eight game season, that could make some for, for a lot of interesting decisions four weeks in um, for a lot of guys. So there's so many things we we can't know. You know, we don't, so many things we don't even realize yet that have to be dealt with for the season to happen. Um, but I am a little more optimistic than I was a few weeks ago that we'll see some sort of season. Um, just because of all the measures we're seeing from schools, even some schools that you would probably have on your list of schools who would try to circumvent the rules. Um, you know, I mean, I guess you could be a little, <laughs> man, 
I guess I'm just playing optimist and pessimist tonight, but um, I mean, there, there's <laughs> not like there's hiding a, me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not like a, I mean, there's not a, a standard group of doctors who are going out and testing everyone. It's, it's still the team doctors and, you know, their local health, you know, their local um, physicians and everyone testing these players. So it's not impossible that there's teams with much higher numbers that aren't being reported. I mean, they've hidden concussions for years. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a, I'm sure somewhere someone's suppressing some numbers just to be able to play because that kind of, that kind of football fervor and desire exists. That's why you see teams cheat and everything else. Um, but overall, like even some schools that I would have was keeping an eye on, I feel like they've been pretty candid about results and the teams that you see the numbers are, they're stopping stuff pretty quick. Um, so if, if everyone can keep that attitude and understand they all have to be in it for the season to be anything, um, then we've got a good chance. So, uh, I mean, it's, and I think you're going to see, I think Clemson announced today, no students on campus, at least in September. And you see some other schools, I think Cal said no students entire first semester. Um, so if you can justify keeping your football players on campus when the regular student body is, then it gets a little easier to keep them in that bubble, if you will, and, and get the season off. Um, now, granted, we're talking as guys who want to see football. Um, and we, we've talked before about how players have more power right now than they ever have. So, you know, if as long as they're good with it, I guess we're good. Uh, we haven't seen much pushback from players on it. I don't know if we'll see that more if we start to see, like, you know, some schools have spikes when things get more football-y, you know, when they're doing, you know, normal practice. If we'll see some players rise up and say, hey, we need we need to shut down. But right now, like, I mean, I think it's better. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, tell me what you think. But, like, I think it's better now than I thought it would have been two weeks ago. Um, like, we haven't seen the the doom and gloom is not as – isn't ramping up to the pace I thought it would. I think if that makes fair. sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think for me, what I've seen is like there's like a little gloom, and then a little uh, a, a little happiness. You know, like there's this like um, there are these it's these contrasting factors. So it never you never feel like one team is winning, so to speak, right? Um, like if the if it was a score, you know, I would say optimism is only down by like six. You know what I mean? Um, with like a minute to go. Is that insurmountable? Yeah. No, but it's not, not, would you bet on it? Probably not. And so I kind of think that as we move forward, certainly look, the, like I said earlier, there's rubber meat that has to meet the road. Um, there's obviously a lot that has to happen, uh, in a fairly short amount of time. So something has to be announced, something, there has to be some sort of plan, some sort of model, um, sort of some sort of contingency. Um, you mentioned, you know, the idea that some, you know, Clemson um, president said um, essentially that, you know, they're going to go, um, they're going to go online only. There's this, there's just been since the beginning of this conversation when this began to happen, um, this kind of in inherent impl- either it, just an outright implication, an implication by itself, or an outright just stated f- idea that you couldn't have football if other students weren't on campus. Yeah, exactly. And I've been thinking about that. Now, listen, I don't want to be the contrarian of the group, and I certainly don't want to get a whole bunch of people angry at me. But isn't part of the problem 
with college athletics that we treat the student athlete like they're actually just a normal student when in no way, shape, or form are they normal. Like we want them, you know, UVA, for example, right? The administration wants them to have a similar experience, right? So they, you know, they don't like mid-year admissions, right? They're, they're okay with people apparently coming to, to college early, but they don't want folks who like go somewhere else and then transfer in midway. Um, there's a lot of different aspects of a student athlete's life that are just literally not in any way, shape, or form comparable, right? Uh, the amount of class that they miss, the amount of travel that they must to partake in the, the amount of um, stuff that they do, um, the fact that they have tutors that are paid for by the university, the fact that they are on not just scholarships but on specific meal plans and they have access to um, specific parts of campus and, and facilities that other students don't have access to. The idea that the student athlete is just a regular old student but also happens to you know get a free scholarship to or excuse me get a free education and such and such and such is that really what we want to be doing? Because honestly, like think about, think about this when they came back to grounds for voluntary, um, for, um, the, um, the involuntary workouts or whatever. Right. What about their experience is like any other students, right? Yeah. Are there any other students at UVA right now? No. Right. Uh, I mean, at least I'm aware. And if I'm wrong, I'll well, say there's wrong. some there. I mean, there's some, but, but do you they're, see what I mean? But like, they're there, but, they're, but they're not being taken care of like this and they're not, you know oh, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like there's a very yeah. real difference. They don't have nutritionists. They don't have, you know, uh, people come into their house to get their laundry, to take it back so they can bring it yeah. back. You know what I'm saying? So like in essence for me, they don't me, have Juwan Briggs singing happy birthday to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I, man, I just keep going back and saying like, you know what? Let's just let it be what it is. Like, let's just call the spade a spade for once and say, you know what? Student athletes are different. This year, in essence, we're going to we're going to say online only, but we know we can. And, and what this actually will do, and you were talking about like what the players will think of this, it actually keeps them safer. Yeah. Right. In essence, yeah. it creates a bubble for them that they otherwise wouldn't have. And if I'm a player at UVA or any other school, and that school decides like, hey, we're going to have online only, in a way, I would much rather be at school, able to do my online around my teammates who I'm in the bubble with, right? As opposed to just being at home. Like, I would imagine that if given the opportunity, those players will say, okay, that sounds fine with me. Now, I understand that it's a bad look yeah. for the universities, but you know what's going to happen? A lot of these universities are going to fold if they don't get that money. Like, that's just yeah. the long and short of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I'm a big proponent. You've heard me for years on this podcast. That, like, to me, being a student athlete is, is more than just being an athlete, right? But this is different times. Like, it's not like they're being kept in a bubble while everyone else is being allowed to do what normal students do. Um, you know, it's not like this year things are different. So, you know, the, the normal interaction, like if COVID wasn't a thing, if you're back into a normal season, the thought of keeping football players isolated from the rest of the community sounds very unamateurous. <laughs> you know, it, it's not an amateur thing. Um, this year, I think you can make the argument you are providing them something you cannot provide the other students. Right. Um, so I can keep stay on my high horse and still think I need, like, I think there's more to being a college athlete than, than just being with your teammates and playing the games and, and learning online. Like I think in a normal year, like you need to make the network, you know, network and meet people and you know, take part in the, the normal 
college experience to get the most out of being there. That doesn't exist this year. Um, yeah, not, there is literally no normal in 2020. Like, yeah, so normal. I, mean, I think if anything, you're, you're giving the player something you're not getting. They're they're getting student plus treatment this year um, because they are able to still be around tutors in this situation. Like they're you know you can have tutors in the bubble, social distancing and helping them out, and you know academic advisors and all those guys, and still be doing their work online. And I, I at that point, then it is a it's a value add you're offering them. Um, especially if you've like Virginia given them the opportunity to opt out of the season without recourse. Um, right, right. So they're all there voluntarily and yeah. you can, you can argue how voluntary, you know, how voluntary it is, <laughs> how voluntary but, voluntary is. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, look, it, it's, I think it's probably look. we can look at it. If you compare it to a normal year, you know, you feel bad for the seniors, especially and the juniors and, you know, you probably feel bad for all of them because they're they're missing what would have been a normal year for any other student athlete. But you know, as far as the guys dealing, going through it, I think it's probably a little bit easier than we think because you know, in, in a world where it's very easy to have FOMO, there's really you're not really missing anything by being in that bubble because you're going to be at home you, doing the same stuff. Right. For um, those of you unaware, FOMO is fear of missing out. Just <laughs> yeah. FYI. Because I mean, I think. I've got FOMO all the time, but um, COVID has definitely helped with that because there's really nothing else going on. You might as well be there. Um, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm of the mindset that says, listen, if, you, if, if in essence, like, God, how many times on this podcast am I going to say in essence? I got to stop that. Um, but realistically, isn't isn't the best way to get football? Let's let's just shift. Let's just. Sh- let's just shift the point of view here and say, ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out a way that what is the, what is the path of least resistance to get to football? It's that all of the campuses go online only. And then the football players are the only ones and the athletes are the only ones there. And that basically they're just around each other. Now, granted, you're not going to be able, unless you really do bubble up um, like the NBA is doing, um, unless you bubble up, you're, you're not going to be able to keep the virus away. Um, but I do think that there's just so much less interference, you know, so much. If you think about like, why are we, why are, why are folks always talk about like, you know, you should wear a mask and do it. you're talking about mitigating your, your um, exposure, right? What you're trying to do is you're trying to lessen the amount of um, a virus that could potentially make its way into you. Well, if the university of Virginia has uh, literally only athletes on grounds, going to be a whole lot less people around, you know what I mean? And that in and of itself should, uh, you know, I, you know, I may look, I understand my bias here. I am a dude who runs a website that would very much enjoy sports to cover um, and would especially love if, if football can be played. But watching the kids take it so seriously, watching the numbers as they've rolled in from different schools now, it's clear to me that players are, are doing their part. And if they want to play, which we, you know, I think we both think they do, do what you got to do, cradle them until kickoff. You know, whatever you got to do, get them there. Um, and, you know, hopefully the ACC will come out with something soon to give us some idea of, like, what a schedule will look like and whatever. Hopefully yeah. when that when that happens, there will be football and Virginia will be able to have Tony Poljohn, six foot seven, 260-pound grad transfer tight end, who I believe he at least publicly announced. He didn't actually tell me when he went into the into the portal, but he, he talked about the whirlwind of a week. Um, but... Uh, was in the portal at least officially for less than a day, I think, um, before he committed to to, to UVA. Um, I don't think I've ever seen one go that fast. Um, and certainly 
credit to UVA and Ricky Brumfeld for really getting that information in front of him. You know, he talked to me a lot about the opportunity. You know, I, I'm really thankful for this opportunity, for this opportunity. Dude, he's got NFL potential. He he's not like he doesn't know that, right? He could have gone back to Central Michigan and played if they play this year. And um, you know, but he chose to leave Michigan for the first time in his life to, you know, he's not a kid who's traveled a lot. Um, you know, he the start of the week he was at he, you know, he's planning to go back to Central Michigan. By the end of the week, he's moving into Charlottesville. Um how excited were you, Dave, when you saw uh well, I don't know if you saw it, yeah. you can text from <laughs> me, but um how how excited were you when you got the news, I guess is the way I should frame it. Uh how excited were you when you saw that? Well, I mean, it wasn't instant excitement. I had to go do a little research and about three clips in, very excited. <laughs> I mean, that that kid is good. Um you know, like it, the transfer thing. You're right. I don't know. Like I mean, he announced it on Twitter like 24 hours basically before he committed to Virginia. But Virginia's got some dudes announcing that we know have been in the portal for a long time. So maybe it's a similar situation, right? Um, so, but as far as Paul John goes, like I think it's easy to try to make a Heath Miller, comp, you know, comp just because he was a quarterback. You know, is now tight end. But this dude played quarterback in college. <laughs> Heath Miller never did. Um, and, you know, he's he's just, like, I don't know. I mean, he's not, I'm trying to think of a, like a, he's not a Jeremy Shockey type tight end, you know, you know in college. But he is very, very good. And I'm very excited because he, you know, if you look at the tight end position with Grant Mish and, and Joshua Rawlings come in, coming in, um, especially with the prospect of a shortened season, I like Rawlings a lot. Like, I think he's potentially like a game changing tight tight end and depending on how many games you get in playing them this year might not be a terrible idea but um it'd be nice to have four full years of that guy so bringing Paul John in i mean i don't think there's any argument if he comes in and buys in like he he's probably the day one starter at tight end you know he, he moves well he there's not a whole lot of film out there of him blocking that you can find without going to watch Central Michigan games, um, which they really need to do a better job of getting video out. Like, you can't find Central Michigan highlights on YouTube. Like, that's weird in this day and age. So uh, maybe that's why he left. But, uh, yeah, I like his game a lot. You know, he definitely is a dynamic. I think the Athletic had him listed as one of their top 40 freak athletes in college football. He was top five on most NFL draft boards before, and now he's still going to be top five, but playing EVA. So, um, you know, if you look again, we've talked about it numerous times with the staff, you know, going into this off season, I think your deficiencies, deficiencies were backup quarterback, um, tight end and wide receiver. But if you add a tight end with this kind of ability, you know, kind of cover, you know, you can kind of throw him into that wide receiver, option because Virginia did not utilize a tight end as much as you could. Um, and then obviously they had to keep on Thompson. So, so another year where they used the grant transfer thing and, you know, to, to fill deficiencies. And I know Broncos talked about it before saying, uh, you know, I don't want to, have to do that every year, but I think that's just a reality in college football. Now, if you get a chance to got add a guy like this and it doesn't like, you know, it's, it's not like Joshua Rawlings, uh, uh, you know, as a junior or something, or, or Grant Mish was a surefire. No offense, Grant, I like your game, but it's not like he's a surefire, you know, starter. You're bringing in competition. Um, 
you know, I, I really enjoyed watching the guy play and I, I can't wait to see what they do. Um, you know, when you got to me, like when you've got a young quarterback and you're going to have one, whether it's Brennan or Keaton, um, there's no bigger safety net than a six foot five, six, seven tight end sitting in the middle. Yeah. I mean, the, the dude made Philman's list of freaks, right? Um, for, for a reason. Um, yeah, he runs so, a four seven forty. If if you don't know, it's six seven. Yeah, that's I mean freakish. that's a. I, I think it was the part where he where he told me he's like I'm a fifty fifty guy. You know, I'm I'm just as happy blocking as I am, you know, running routes. And I, I I think we can you know we we get a little bit um, you know we're we're um, susceptible to the whole quarterback thing and talking about you know quarterbacks who can do this and that. If there was a definition for what UVA really needs out of its tight ends, that is it, right? They need a 50-50 guy, um, a guy who's as comfortable blocking as he is being the H-back because that actually really does bring a lot more versatility because I, I think Tanner Kelly did an excellent job of doing the things that he was asked to do, but I don't think that you would ask him to do nearly as much you know, on-the-line blocking. He did a lot of like stuff in motion and going and getting a guy kind of blocking, right? Um, yeah, chip stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and being able to, you know, get free out of off of the block or whatever. What Paul John can do is, is all that plus a little bit more. And that little bit more is kind of a big deal. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, you know, they're the old adage about like, you know, um, a really good tight end is a new quarterback's best friend or whatever. Like that's legit. Like that cliches are cliche sometimes because they're true. And that's one of them. Right. And when you look at a, a, a wide receiving core, that has to replace a lot of production and a lot of playmaking ability between um, Hasis Dubois and Joe Reed. You know, we know Ter- Terrell Jan is going to get his touches. We all have a lot of confidence in Dontavian Wicks. I think Virginia is probably a better at wide receiver than most folks give him credit for because I actually like Kevin Kelly. The Henry kid looks nice. Um, I think um, if you can get Obasi healthy, I think he's a really nice piece. They've got length everywhere. Um, I, I, I just, I, I got to say, like, this kid could be the the secret for an offense that has a pretty experienced offensive line um, in terms of, because we we've talked about it in nauseum, right? You've got to get the running game going. You've got to get the running game going. You've got to get the running game going a 50, 50 guy like this. And I mean, you watch him, he's physical, dude. He's a big, strong kid who has, you know, played quarterback who has, um, you know, a lot of experience. Uh, that's, there's a lot to like out of that. And it was a, look, it was a really good recruiting weekend. Um, you know, UVA got uh, Logan Taylor, who was another big, you know, big piece. Right, that, boy, uh, that boy's good, too. Yeah, he's really good. <laughs> um, and then they also picked up James Jackson, who I, I got to be honest, his film is some of the best I've seen. Yes. Like, yeah, he, he's, he's, really a, he's, a, he's a lot of fun to watch. So, I mean, look, it was a really good weekend, but Paul John is, you know, at least for this conversation, the idea of adding him to a, to this specific team, this specific season, there's it, there are just so many positives. Um, how this thing broke for UVA um, – and that you know Brumfield and company were able to get it done so quickly. Uh, I think this was technically speaking. I mean, Ricky's been uh, recruiting tight ends for a little while now, but the UVA sent out the official release the day before Poljan uh, committed. Oh so yeah, that's right. That, like, about you that. Know, <laughs> second day, he's like, all right, here's the baby. Basically, like the best tight end, you know, quote unquote, recruit in the country. <laughs> um, but you're right. He's not. He's not a shocky type. But man, he's 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 a lot. And so I'm, yeah. I'm really curious to see um, how that sort of pans out. Um, yeah, if you think about the way he ha- helps uh, the offense in general, I mean, look, when we've been talking about the team leading up to signing a Paul John, you're talking about, you know, you're probably going to see more read option with Brennan and Keaton, whoever, you know. I mean, I think whoever starts quarterback, I'm not going to have the argument. We 
we all we all know we, we think Brennan's going to be the starter, but Keaton's going to be hard to keep off the field if, unless Brennan does what we think he can do. Um, and then, you know, you've got Jana and Wicks and Kemp and Kelly and Obasi and Goddard. Like, you've got some receiver options, but they're not proven. But, you know, when, when you're talking about that offense around Grant Mitchell, Joshua Rawlings, and the tight end is just an extra dude on the field who you don't know has upside, right? Now you got a guy like Poljan where the team has to cover him. He's going to take up a safety or a linebacker every play he's on the field, which gives you more room to run read option or, you know, takes – one guy, you know, one wide receiver is not going to be double covered. You know, two wide receivers won't be double covered every play because they've got to account for him. So he just gives you a lot more versatility. Um, not to mention, if you do throw the ball to him, he can do some things with it. You know, he's not just a, you know, he's he's big like Patrick Estes, um, but he can move. Uh, so I'm trying to, like, Tom Santee-ish is probably, if you want to have a Virginia comparison, he's probably... He moves kind of like Santi, like he's not a super smooth athlete, um, but he's got surprising speed. He blocks a little more Patrick Estes, but not he's not on that level where you know because Estes blocked in the NFL. Um, but he's a uh, that that's the two comps I would get, not Heath Miller. Like he's somewhere in between those two, and you know adding that to to a read option based offense. Where, you know, if you if you're worried that guy's going to block you, if you see him blocking a DN and the safety starts creeping down and he can sneak over the top, like you got problems. Yeah, I mean, and he's got pretty good ball skills too. Like he's got pretty yeah, he good does. hands, and that's the thing too that sticks out is like you don't just need him to be able to block and turn and move. You need him to be able to catch and run, and that kid can catch and run. Matter of fact, I I pulled this out of uh, thin air the other day, but he's got more rushing yards than anybody on Virginia's roster outside of uh, Wayne Talapapa, which. <laughs> I guess in the big scheme of things, when you think about like the way they've run the ball and what that depth situation is like, it's not saying a whole lot, but it's, you know, they are getting an Indiana transfer in Ronnie Walker, who doesn't have as many rushing yards as um, Tony Boljohn has. Um, yeah, and Boljohn yeah. has more pass completion, has more pass attempts than Brennan yes. or Keaton. That's right. Um, that one, I think, is Danny Nichols, so i got to give him some credit on that. Yeah. <laughs> just, um, just in case he's listening. Um, so the whole thing is, it's just, it's just a massive win for UVA in every imaginable direction. Um, and like I said, the kid already on grounds, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, at this point, probably getting into the thick of workouts and stuff. Uh, so I'm really interested to see once we get a chance to talk to Bronco again, um, how his, uh, how his, um, lift off, what's the, what's the, the launch point. That's the way, that's what Bronco always says. Um, what the launch point is like for, for Tony and, and certainly that beefs up their tight end situation outside of getting a, you know, a guy who was a grad transfer quarterback who, who, you know, started games, you know, consistently for years. This is a, this is a really nice addition for that offense. Um, and yeah. certainly if, if Ricky Walker, or excuse me, Ronnie Walker is able to get the, um, the waiver, um, as I think most of us expect will happen. Um, Virginia's running game situation suddenly becomes a potential strength, which is, Odd to say out loud in front of people. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Ronnie because that's something I was going to ask you off air, but I might as well ask you on air since we're on the podcast. Like, like, if it's a seven or eight game season, do you want Ronnie to get the waiver or not? Oh, that's. I don't think question. it's cut and dry because yeah, I think especially now that you have Poljan, and I think it that boosts your passing game, um, like. Look, you tell me it's going to be a game season, and you know you're going to complete it. I'm gonna. It's hard not to want Ronnie Walker, but if Ronnie's willing to sit a year and and play, 
you know, play his remaining eligibility left out of a full season. And you can have a patchwork of, you know, Wayne Tamapapa and Mike Hollins and, you know, maybe Peacock finally gets more than one carry in his career. Um, <laughs> do you want it? That's a great question, dude. Um, I, mm, so let me, let me bring in the basketball aspect, right? So Braxton Key gets the waiver and we think about him, you know, last year, what would Virginia be like going into next year if they had Braxton Key again? Um, one that would throw off a lot of different things, but I digress. Um, man, I, I don't know. I, I it, let's say let's say Ronnie's not on the roster, and you got Paul John at tight end. You you have um, you have Talapapa, you have Hollins. If it's a shortened season, maybe you, you're not quite as worried about injuries. There's also the aspect of COVID, and so the idea that like at some point some kid could test positive, and even if yeah, you aren't yeah. sick, you you're quarantined for two weeks, and so you can't play. So maybe I would say simply because of the the uncertainty of COVID and what that could mean, even in a shortened season, I would probably say yes. That being said, that's a really sneaky good point. But here's the thing: is like they've actually done a pretty good job recruiting that position. I mean, I don't know if you've been watching yeah. anything that yeah, the Boston yeah. kid puts on there. That dude is kind of freaky. He's a freak athlete. Like that dude looks like a grown grown man. Like he looks he looks more like a like a grown up dude than I do. Um, you know, watch that dude's workouts and it's just absurd. Um, but yeah, I think that, but you also have, you know, in addition to just, just what you have in Talapapa and Hollins, you've also got some other pieces that can simulate the run game, right? So, you know, you're going to do some stuff read option, um, whether it's Thompson, whether it's Armstrong, um, Kemp and, and Kelly can do some stuff in the jet sweep that you probably could play off of, especially with Poljan. So that's actually a problem. It, it presents a ch- it, not having Walker does present a challenge that I think Virginia is actually in some ways equipped to answer without it being without the answer strictly being like oh we're just going to pull up another running back, um, you know and there's there's obviously a lot more you can do if you have that, yeah. But in the absence of it, th- I think Virginia does have some some intriguing options on the table. That's a good question. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I don't know how I don't know where I come down on it. I, I keep thinking about it. And landing on on either side, and I keep bouncing back and forth. I'm not real sure. What do you think? I think I, I lean. I think I lean towards him getting it. Like I'd prefer him to get it. My question is, if you get the waiver, can you then choose to redshirt? Because no one's ever done that that I know of. Um, the reason I ask is because you know if you've got Wayne and, and him and and Hollins and Wayne and Walker and Hollins, and NCAA says yeah, the four game thing is still in. You could choose to redshirt. You could choose. You know. And assuming you're four games in and no COVID, you could choose to sit one the rest of the year and keep their red shirt. So if that's the case, it, you know, we don't know enough for me to answer it wholeheartedly. If the four game thing is still in, I say I want them to have it because then I've got three dudes for at least yeah, probably half of what's going to be this season to figure it out. And then maybe you redshirt Hollins if Walker's having a good run and getting all your carries, or you can even redshirt Wayne if you wanted to. Um, yeah. Wait. Wayne didn't return, sure. yeah. So, I mean, you've got some options if he's – I mean, if you request a waiver from an NCAA, like that would be something you request a waiver and then you return. Like I, I don't know if you can. <laughs> I, I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't I mean, know. Like they can't stop you, but, man, they'd be like, why would you reply? <laughs> well, I mean, but, they, but that's the thing is that like technically speaking, the, the red shirt is not something, you know, there's no application for that part, right? So like yeah. once you get the, I would imagine it's like once you get the uh, the green light on your waiver and you're you're available for competition, um, 
then it's just a question of what you know what I mean. Like there's no like that. It's almost like that thing never happened, right? Like once it, it's like almost like it gets exposed. Oh yeah, it's not like they go back and take his year because they would be the outrage would be tremendous. One and and two, like they, you know, I don't think there's a rule that allows them to do that. But yeah, yeah I mean that's a I mean, fascinating that's little tweet, came, though. That's where I come down on it. I think I think yeah, you know, I'd like to have that kind of to me, and that's a hard hard thing I'm having with this season. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are too. Is if it's not, I mean, I think we all are kind of accepted the fact that you're going to play a shortened season and there's not going to be a bowl game unless you make the playoff. Um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I'm viewing it. So it's hard for me to view, like I'm, I'm starting to look at players, you know, look at our roster and look at what you could return for what potentially is a normal season in 2021. 20, um, and it's starting to weigh on how I make decisions. Like, you know, I don't want to go zero and eight. Um, but you know, if it, there's if there was a year to have a bad season because you, you kind of bolstered your roster for the future, this is probably it. And I can say that because I'm not paid millions of dollars and judged by my win loss record, right? <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys who can't make that decision, but. As a fan, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting dilemma you have with the shortened season, because it, it's going to have an asterisk beside it, regardless. Yeah, and, that, and that's the that's the you know it's like everything else, right? There is no normal, and so when we start talking about um, you know like think about like the season, right? So there's you know different states doing different things. You know, California is going to do this for high school fo- or for football. You know, different states are are doing different things, and I think we're we're right at that infection inflection point where like. Um, that what the state does is going to start having an impact on what the, the group of schools in different states can do, yeah. right? Because different states are going to have different rules and different um, protocols and such. But that uncertainty, right? That's something I've been thinking a lot about too. Is like the ACC can come out here tomorrow and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play this schedule. We're going to do this. You know, we're going to do that. We're going to leave this option open for teams. And it's going to be this many games instead of that. We're going to do it this way. And everybody starts this date. Cool. But there's anything can change. It, 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 that for me, for basically the feeling I had in Greensboro, sitting in the stands at night, like we've talked about before, you know, there was the whole, you know, oh, they're not going to have fans at the games tomorrow. Oh, uh, Rudy Gobert has it. Oh, they're stopping the game. Tom Hanks has it. There was this like just feeling that like everything was shifting, right? And, and that in an instant – the thing that I thought was just impossible that the ACC tournament wouldn't be played was suddenly not just possible, not just likely, but it was definitely going to happen. Right. So I, I think that sense of uncertainty you're talking about, you know, like you're, you're not really sure how many games you're going to get. You're not sure. Like you sort of have to just, I don't think you have much choice because that uncertainty is not going to go away. And regardless of what happens, regardless of how you do it, regardless of when you do it, regardless of what decisions are made, like there's just no, there's no way to, to find firm ground. And so I look at it and I'm like, you know what? It, the, the guys who can play should try to play. Um, it, I think Bronco's whole read on this and the whole um, paradox he talked about, you know, the idea that like you have to sort of prepare for the worst without losing hope in the best. You have to prepare for the reality on the ground without losing hope that it will turn and it, things will be good for you. Um, I think if that's the way he's preparing his team, then Virginia's going to be in a good spot. Um, I think fans and observers alike should should try to do the same thing, right? Like, okay, is it possible that there's not going to be a season or there's going to be a shortened season that then it just abruptly ends? That is absolutely possible. Hopefully, though, it will not be that. 
Um, and uh, I'm like you. I'm like I'm looking around at the different states, and you know, uh, here's the decision they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do football in the spring. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean? I'm like, I yeah. the, the people I feel the worst for. Uh, I mean, listen, we're talking about sports. We're talking about you know recruiting and stuff so like clearly there are a lot of people out there whether it's you know actual family members who have who have gotten sick and who have passed away whether it's folks dealing with the after effects of being sick whether it's folks who've lost their jobs um, all of the different ramifications we're certainly not saying that you know football is is in any way comparable um but the, in this in in this in this world the, the folks i feel hard the worst for are the 2021 recruits like you haven't been able to go on any visits since maybe you got in a maybe odd junior day or two Right. Um, you don't know when you'll be able to go on visits. You don't know when any signing day will be. Uh, you're not really sure if the school that you're committed to uh, is going to need you because there's a definite chance that, that maybe they play football in spring. And what does that mean? And then there's a whole idea like, OK, if they don't play football, will the NCAA give um, um, eligibility relief? to players who otherwise would have exhausted that eligibility. And what does that mean for rosters? Right. And so if you're a 2021 recruit right now, man, look, you might be made in the shade or you might be stressed. Like, um, it's a, it's a, the uncertainty around that from, you know, I I would feel the same way about like seniors in college. Right. So you're Charles Snowden, you have a very, very clear path to the next level in front of you. Um, what do you, you know, what do you do? Uh, what do you, what do you, which, which way do you need this to go? What are you hoping for? You're just hoping, I guess you're hoping to get to the combine and that there is a combine. Um, so I don't know, man. It, the whole thing is just, it's just so interlaced with so much uncertainty that I think the only thing, you, the only, what's the adage, right? The only way out is through. Um, yeah. You just got to, you just got to keep doing until something changes. And when it changes, you have to adapt. And I feel like um, that's what, you know, if, if it, if it requires to get in a waiver and then, you know, taking a red shirt because you only played three games, cool. <laughs> Um, you know, if, if player X is okay with that, um, you know, and I, and I do think that there are going to be a lot of players who are going to, who are going to, um, you know, take advantage of whatever opportunities the NCAA allows. But my bottom line is, is that, you know, I, I think they, to me, it's like, if they want to play football and they're there, then let's, let's give them a chance to play football. And certainly that will make, that will be good for the universities. It'll be good for other sports. It'll be good for the, for the country as a whole, because Lord have mercy, we could all use something to do. Um, as opposed to just, you know, griping at each other on Facebook about schools opening and closing or, you know, red state, blue state, whatever, whatever. Um, yeah. You know, and I also too think that like for these kids who have worked really hard, this is that this is the opportunity for them. And we got to do what we can to do right by them to give them that opportunity to play. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much, you know, it, it's beyond the scope of what we normally discuss on the podcast. Like, you know, there's because you know we're focused on sports right and, and there's public health health aspects to this there's you know family individual family decisions like look it yeah I, I feel like after we do record the podcast sometimes i feel like we we kind of well I, I personally feel like i um maybe don't say enough like maybe i'm too hyper focused on the sports aspect of it certainly owning a sporting goods store and like every family i know that comes into our store like they're the athletes and you know one of the things i've been you know we not to get off topic but it, one of the things that right now and one of the things i'm sure we'll discuss ad nauseum on the next podcast is you know the VHSL is going to rule on the 27th about their plans for for sports and so i only see the sports parents right like the parents who play the, the families whose kids don't play sports don't come into a sporting goods store 
for the most part. You know, maybe they might stumble in there one day, but the ones I talk to are, are sports. And like they're beside themselves that, you know, they didn't get to have, you know, look, there's a lot of multi sport athletes, especially in small counties. Um, so, you know, baseball season, softball season, soccer last year were all cut short. They were ended in March. They got a week or two in the season, no playoffs. The seniors never got their big night. Um, and now, you know, the juniors who lost their season are circling back around, and there's a 100% chance they're not playing football this fall in, in Virginia. Um, yeah. So, but, you know, what, when they're playing or if they're playing at all is still to be voted on. So, like, there, there, there's a lot, there's so much going on outside of college football, like sports wise. And, yeah. Um, and honestly, like you, you said it, like the 2021 recruits for football. I do feel bad for them. Like you know, they're having to make decisions, you know, without having visits. If there was ever a time to approve, like I've never been a huge fan of the transfer without, you know, sitting out a rule year rule. But I, now I'm on board with it because there's going to be guys who make decisions that aren't the best decisions because they need to take a scholarship that's there. Um, especially you know not being able to take visits and all that stuff. So, like, I, I'd be willing to bet all of Brad's money that um, <laughs> like the, that will be a thing by the time, you know, the next, by the end of the season or at some point, you know, you'll be able to transfer at least once without having to sit out. Um, but, you know, the ramifications go beyond the football players and the basketball players. Like we, we talk about revenue sports here, but like, you know, the, the athletes are, they're going to get hurt a lot are not just the seniors who lost their season last year in high school and maybe didn't show out and, end up with a scholarship. But when you talk about revenue sports taking major hits, like we did with the Los NCAA tournament, potentially shortened football season, the sports that get cut aren't those. Like, you know, it, it's baseball, it's softball, it's soccer, it's lacrosse, like um, swimming and diving. All those sports are the ones that are going to get less money for scholarships. So the the kids I personally feel even worse for than the football players and basketball players are, are the, the rising, you know, the rising seniors in baseball on softball who may not have a scholarship because they've already got you know they've already had a waiver so teams are going to be carrying more players than they normally play which means schools will be paying more for a non-revenue yep. sport than they normally pay like so the the ripple effect of what happened this year is probably two or three years down the road from being clear assuming we don't have another you know a, another outbreak of this or something else um so Look, I mean, I think it's okay as, as a sports fan to be upset you're not seeing sports. But, I, I mean, I think if you're going to do that, if you're a sports fan, you have to care about the athletes. And you, you need to understand, like, there's a lot of them who won't get the opportunities that, you know, their brothers and sisters or, or family members four years ago or four years from now will get. Um, yeah. And that for sucks sure. for them. But And and here's the thing. Like, we, we come on this, on this show every week and we talk about the issues and we talk about, you know, our thoughts and we share opinions and we, you know, um, chop it up or whatever. There is not a doubt in my mind that I have no earthly idea what they should do. Right. And how to handle, you know, like you just mentioned, like, Oh yeah, there are also players who already had a year where they had uh, eligibility release. So what do you do with those folks? Right. Uh, and how does that impact things? And I, and I, and I just was thinking like, you know, I've got a daughter who's going to go into first grade. You, you've got two little girls who are in school, like trying to make the school decisions and, and all the turmoil that's around it. Right. Like there's just there's just no 
there's like we talked about earlier there's no normal like nothing there, there's no easy anything um whether you let the, the football player stay on, on campus versus when you you know you're doing online classes for everybody else like there's just no there's no easy answer and there's also like no precedent for it and i understand like the whole joke like oh you know i want to go back to living in precedent in times but like on some level your folks are just doing the best they can making the decisions they can make and this decision whether it's you know high school sports college sports what to do do you flip the seasons do you push everything back do you play football and basketball season at the same time personally i mean it would be literally the busiest time of my life but i'd be fine with it you know what i'm saying like it's just yeah. it, there's just so much around every decision and every decision was related to like three other decisions and man it's one of those times where like if you are somebody who has to make decisions uh, even if you're somebody who's going to make a bunch of people mad, man, hats off to you because I'm I'm kind of glad that I don't have to make some of those decisions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's look. It, this is this is the kind of situation. You know, if you if you think back on history, um, not to be myopic, but if you think about it, think back on um, events in history that affect sport, right? I mean, the most recent one would be September 11th, and when you play the games after it, right? Um, but going back before that, like, you know, the only time that there was major conflict that, that interrupted sports for, for a while was World War II. And look, sports weren't the moneymaker they were back then. <laughs> you know, back then, they didn't make money. So it's, it's just there, there are a lot of decisions to be, to be made. Um, I want to see sports, but. I mean, I think the reality of all of this is, you know, we, we talked earlier about um, maybe this is the year where it's okay to keep your players on campus and your students not coming back on campus. Um, the 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 ramifications of that are our, our schools are going to not be able to charge what they normally charge for tuition and room and board and all this other stuff that we all know. Look, look, even the even the the least uh, cynical person listening to this podcast knows that universities charge a lot for what they offer, but they can and they get it. Um, so there's going to be like a, I don't know if it'll be a, a hard reboot, but there'll be a reset to, you know, what schools are able to charge their undergrads. And, you know, you, you've seen it for years, like all the discussions about fees and stuff that are tacked on to that, which basically are supporting sports. Like, you know, the, the days of adding LED lights for light shows like Alabama and LSU did in the last couple of years are probably over um, for at least the short term. And although I think this is a terrible thing to be going through, that end result isn't that bad. Um, maybe we can, you know, get a little more focused on, on what matters. Um, you know, I'll get off my soapbox on that because I can go, <laughs> go for a while. But like, I mean, I mean, for me, I... I think there there are some positives that can come out of this. Um, whether they play four games, six games, eight games, ten games, um, I think twelve is pretty much out of the question now. Hard to believe they'd be playing games in you know what eight weeks from now or six weeks from now um, when they haven't even really made any announcements for the Power Fives other than the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Um, like I me, mean, I, I think the ultimate result of all this it's going to affect you know the juniors and seniors and incoming freshmen greatly but i think for the good of the sport it's it's a chance for everyone to kind of reevaluate the craziness that 
has existed in D1 athletics for the last, what, 10 years? Yeah. Um, and maybe well, that'll, and maybe that'll be... ultimately make it more um, – Make it make the longevity of what, of what we recognize as college sports. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever, whatever I'm trying to say. I know I hear you. And, and and look, this is the other thing too. Like we, you mentioned a second ago, you know who, who's it going to impact most? Think about like if you are a sophomore or junior in high school, and you play basketball, and you didn't get to play AAU this <laughs> spring and summer. I mean, schools are going to be chasing that ghost. Next, even if even if like a vaccine came out in December and everybody had it by the end of January, right? So you were going to go into spring 2021. Like you're now about to approach the summer, the la- your last summer on the travel ball circuit, and schools have not evaluated you. They have, they, you know, what I'm saying like that is going to be significant. Um, and yeah. so like that just, you know, I go back to the whole like you know the pigs in in Las Vegas thing, right? Like I don't know if I've said that on the podcast before, but like I read this thing it was like, yeah, the pigs, they're, they're pigs in Las Vegas can't eat. I'm like, what? No, the pig. Sorry, the pigs in in Nevada can't eat, and I'm like, why? It's because the, the the casinos were closed, and so they didn't have the overflow of food, and they didn't have the the overflow to sell to to the yeah. farmers to for, to feed their. And I'm like, oh my god, I would never have thought in a million years about the pigs in Nevada not being able to eat because there was a pandemic for humans. Um, but yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. I want to thank um, Dave for hanging with me tonight when Ferber was otherwise engaged see what i did there um i hope so, it, i hope it was a good wedding it wasn't ferber's wedding i hope it was no for, yeah ferber did not ferber. elope or anything um not that i'm aware of anyway um i feel like he would have told us he would have told us right um if you're somebody who found the podcast through the website thank you very much for giving us a listen if you don't mind look us up on apple Podcasts, Stitcher, spotify overcast wherever it is that you get your programs and if you are so inclined give us a rating and review it helps to get us out in front of more people and we very much appreciate that uh, if you're somebody who's found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the website yet, check us out, CavsCorner.com. If you are a subscriber, you get to get inside the uh, message board. And um, <laughs> I, that's just all I'll say. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, a, it's a good place to be. Um, let's see. What else? What I got on the site? Um, so uh, last week I had – or sorry, beginning of the week I had a story about um, um, – the commitments over the weekend and kind of looking at um, breaking down um, Logan Taylor, James Jackson and Jonas Sanker, who was the, um, the DB who UVA flipped um, from Charlottesville from who's going to BC and now is going to go to UVA. Uh, Got Adam Friedman from the mothership to come over and give me some thoughts. And we talked about kind of where the class is uh, a little bit. Um, I also, like I mentioned earlier, had a chance to talk to Tony Poljohn. Um, so you can get, definitely give that one a look. Um, Ferber had his most recent film room piece out. Uh, this one focuses on the running backs. Uh, and kind of ex- it kind of underscores just sort of the opportunity that is there at that position this year, um, and certainly the, the, what's needed there. And then also too, um, there have been some camps now with states, you know, kind of allowing some things. Um, there was one in in Virginia last weekend. Um, one of the players to come out of that who's kind of turned some heads is uh, class of 20, uh, 22, Zach Rice. Four star now. My guess is he's going to end up being a five, but he's definitely a guy Virginia's been on for a while. So um, give that a look as well. So I think that about covers it. Again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave for giving so graciously of his time on a Wednesday night. Uh, I very much appreciate him. So for David Spence, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.